0: Oh, oh, oh this, <laughs> we're starting now. Sorry, everyone. I was just, um... I was just, uh, before recording, I was rocking out to some, um... Honestly, never mind, Eric Drake. <laughs> yeah. Um, that track, Liability, is is really, honestly, like, some good shit, if you haven't heard. Um, and that's kind of just the, the kind of time of year it is right now. Uh... You know, I I don't think there's going to be any kind of special surprise, amazing drops happening uh, anytime soon. So, you know, December, uh, early January, that's really the time where you can kind of, for me anyway, take a breather, go back and listen to some stuff that you haven't had a chance to listen to all year because you've been too busy um, waiting through the vast uh, new release schedule that is constantly ongoing um fun time to go back and like listen to albums i maybe forgot about or like for example yesterday and even some of today uh hesitation marks by nine inch nails which for whatever reason wasn't on streaming for the longest time uh randomly reappeared um so i was jamming to that checking out some uh some of the later even later era Nine Inch nail stuff, like the Bad Witch record. Uh, it's good, man. That Trent guy knows what he's up to, for sure. Um, anyway, so... Hello again. Welcome back to part two of the PH 5x5, a.k.a. the top 25 of the year. Uh, top preferred, you know. Um, as each year kind of goes by, I feel like the... Like, the critical consensus for best albums is slowly kind of, like, losing its... It's, uh... Like, you know, mass agreeance. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But basically, I don't know. I feel like a lot of years, up until recently, there's always been, like, consensus best records, or whatever maybe. And as years have gone by, especially kind of post-COVID, um... It's really seemed like that's not the case anymore. And, uh you know, different publications or different whatever it may be, different people, all have different ideas on what the best music of the year was. Um, And this year is no different. But I think that's a good thing. You know, we kind of move away from this uh, monoculture idea about music consumption and music enjoyment and, you know, people are finding their niches and finding the things that they enjoy and they're taking part in them. And it's not so much anymore about like Oh, I got to keep on top of what the, you know, most popular or, you know, most critically adored new records are. But it's more of a case of I'm going to seek out records on my own terms, and uh, I'm going to enjoy them on my own terms, and kind of evaluate them on my own terms. But what, what's important to me as a person, rather than you know what what everyone else thinks of a record, for example. Um, we're moving into my top ten of 2023 now. And definitely, you know, there are a few records on here that you could find in probably top tens of other lists, but I think there are also a bunch of records on here that you can't. So, you know, what does that go to show you? Um, I don't know, probably nothing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I try to listen to a variety of music. I obviously have my preferences, but, you know, I'll listen to just about anything as long as, um... (laughs) You kind of make a good argument for why I should be listening to it. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty happy with 2023, I think. Um, you know, a friend of mine a while back said something along the lines of like, did I mention this in the last episode? How it was kind of a weaker year or something like this. And I was like, I don't, I I just don't agree. I think it was actually a, a fantastic year for new music. Um... And, you know, I just, I'm so happy that I can be, you know, I'm 33 years old now and still kind of consuming music and, and eating it up with the same appetite and ferocious hunger uh, that I did when I was half this age. So it feels great to um, have all this new music to talk about and and really connect with Geez, like 25 records here. And I'm sure I could have talked about other ones, but you know, no one wants to hear that shit. Um, so yeah, we're gonna move into the top 10. Uh, in previous years, I did a thing where I also talk to, talked about my top five songs of the year. I'm not gonna do that this year. Um, let's just stick to albums, you know, but I am going to mention what my favorite tracks from each of these top 10 were. Something I might continue to do moving into 2024. Uh, Because, yes, I will be continuing PH5 in 2024. Sorry. Um, But, you know me. You know, I had that thing where I was doing the ridiculous made-up genre. And uh, I abandoned that, I think, like, within the episode that I introduced it. So, (laughs) you know, anything can happen. But, yeah, we'll try it out. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. All good. Uh. What do you think? Was this a good year for music? Did you like it? What do you think about my picks? Am I an idiot? Do I have terrible, awful taste? You know, it'd it'd be nice to hear that if you think so. Um. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. But, you know, always curious to hear what other people think of the year. And what other people connected to, um because it really kind of, I think it says a lot about who you are as a person, Um, the kind of music that you enjoy, and the music that you connect with, and kind of your veracity for new music, like, who are you, tell me about your favorite songs, like, uh, I don't know, I I think it's pretty helpful to kind of, you know, unravel the mystery of people. Anyway, let's get into it. So, we'll be counting down the top 10 records that, uh, I guess you could say that I just connected with the most this year. Um, to me, they were the best, but, you know, who am I? I'm just some fucking asshole white guy with a podcast. There's millions of us out here. So, you know, this is, these are my thoughts. Of course, they're not yours. Um, and, but this is why you're listening, you know? So... Here we go. Uh, The moment that everyone has been waiting for since the the first second of the PH5 2023 experience. The best 10 records of the year. We went through 25 to 11 um, in the last episode, and now we'll finish it off. At the end of this, I will count down all 25 so that you get a nice little uh, succinct list and uh, then I'm packing it up, and I'm out of here for the year. So, let's do it. PH5, top 10 of 2023. Let's go. Okay. So, again, it's funny, because like, I already talked about these, most of them anyway. Uh, so... It's interesting, like, what do I talk about this time? <laughs> you know, like, some of them, some records I haven't talked about in, like, most of the year. Um, so, you know, always some, something fresh to kind of reflect on. But, you know, some of these other records, I, like, I literally talked about these, like, an episode or two ago. So, uh, anyway, I, I'm just going to do what I always do and just uh, blabber and whatever comes out comes out. And that's what we'll have to live with. So, starting off at number 10... We have Yule Soft Scars. This record came out, uh, I think it was September. It was that really special month where there was like a billion amazing records that came out, and a whole bunch of them could have been Album of the Year contenders any other year. Uh, and I actually feel that way about this one. You know, it would have to be maybe like a weaker release year, but i think that this is a really really strong strong effort from yule um that is really kind of honing in on and perfecting this kind of electroacoustic sound uh that they've been kind of crafting over the years uh you know in the past yule has stuck to creating this kind of like you know digital almost hyper pop adjacent kind of music but this record was really interesting to me because, you know, it, it brought in elements of rock music. And I, I, I read this kind of interesting series of tweets the other day about how these young generations have grown up um, kind of on the Internet. And because of that, they've ex- you know grown up with um, kind of quote unquote Internet music, you know, like for example, like, you know, hyperpop and, and, and rap and things like this. And rock itself was never a genre which you could say was really kind of indebted to the internet. It always kind of existed outside of it in a certain sense. Um, you know, Metallica, Napster situations aside, and all the MySpace nonsense. But my point being that it's, Very interesting to watch a lot of these younger artists who kind of uh, made a name for themselves in the electronic music sphere, kind of discover rock music and you know, seek to incorporate that into what they're making. And this is actually one of two prime examples of this that we'll see on this top 10 list. Uh, We'll get to the other example a little bit later. But I mean, usually when you you think of the genre and, and the form, it's kind of the other way around, you know? A band starts, because this is the more traditional way that music was made, you know, kind of even 10 years ago. And you, know, you start a band, and, uh, you know, you make your whatever, and then you, you start to add more, like, disparate influences to your sound, add more electronic elements, and... Uh, yeah, you become a rock band with electronic music elements. Now what's happening is you have the exact opposite effect where you have these electronic artists who over time are bringing in these rock music elements. And on this record, I mean, there are times on this record that almost sound like uh, like whole songs. Like There's this grunginess to the sound um, that Yule incorporates in, in a really, really fun, effective way. And rock is very cathartic music, you know. On the first song on this record, X Y X, you know, Yule lets out these like, you know, high-pitched, blood-curdling screams, and you can just feel the emotion that 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 uh, that Yule is kind of exercising out of their system um, with these screams. And the thing is, like, you know, other than maybe. You know, industrial music. Like, you don't get that same kind of really personal, harrowing catharsis through electronic music, um, at least vocally. So, you know, it's interesting to see these artists realize that there's a there's a depth of emotion, kind of a a palette of emotion that really the most effective way to kind of Dip into that palette and really bring that forth is to uh, use this form of rock music and, and, and use the kind of, uh, we'll say, you know, like rules or allowances that come with making this kind of music. Um, like those, yeah, the, these crazy screams in the first song here. I mean, they, no screams like that show up again on the record, but they. They'd feel really out of place on any of Yule's other previous records. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would be able to fit them in somehow because, you know, they're a really talented artists. But you hear these kind of signifiers of, you know, guitars and kind of rock-based drums and then all of a sudden you hear the screams and it just makes sense you you kind of expect it you you see it coming in a way it it feels familiar and it feels almost comfortable uh you might not really get that effect with more electronic purely electronic bass music so again i'm not saying there's no hierarchy here I'm, i'm there's no way in any way shape or form am i saying that you know Oh, like, finally, these electronic, you know, whatever, finally doing real music, rock music. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that by embracing this genre, by embracing all the elements that come with rock music, um, you're unlocking a, a whole new, you know, set of devices which you can use. You're unlocking a whole new dimension to your art form. That you may not have been able to access before. And I think that Soft Scars is... One of the best. Not the best. (laughs) But we'll say the second best example I could come up with... um, Of this kind of phenomenon that we're seeing more and more recently. uh, With these younger music artists. And on top of that it's just a great record with great songs. Uh, Yule is awesome. So... That's kind of my rant on soft scars, and more specifically, you know, this interesting trend of um, incorporating quote unquote rock into electronic music and how it kind of unlocks this whole new dimension for you. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing much more of this in the years to come as, you know, rock, again, quote unquote is slowly but surely becoming more relevant um in just about every kind of form mainstream underground every kind of music it's a it's coming back i mean it was never gone of course but um it's definitely it's on the up and up again so which means it's going to be not cool in about two years so enjoy it while you can number 10 yule soft scars Number 9, uh, also, hilariously enough, also came out the same month as the Yule record. And j- just for context, like I didn't talk too much about the actual Yule record itself because uh, I, I only talked about it like two episodes ago. So if you really want to dig into the actual album and that material, just, just go listen to that episode, okay? Uh, same kind of idea with this number 9 entry, which is... We buy diabetic test strips by Armand Hammer. I I mean, can I say enough about Billy Woods? Like, I feel like almost every other episode I'm just talking and gushing about Billy, but he's he's really like one of the forefront musical artists of our time right now. And not just in hip hop, but uh, the consistency in the like, the output and consistency ratio is just stunning. It's like, this guy has released a record, at least one record, most most of the time at least two records, for like, I don't know how many years straight now, and all of them are like really good. Uh, there's really no one else doing it like him right now. And Armand Hammer, which is his kind of collaboration project with Elucid, uh... I mean, it's hard to even really call this hip-hop. I mean, it's so kind of abstract and, and fragmented that it's, it's almost, like, more IDM in, like, psychedelic music than it is hip-hop. I mean, it's definitely hip-hop. Like, you know, there are quote-unquote raps and there are quote-unquote beats. But the way that they just completely deconstruct the form is, uh it's just fascinating, you know, and, and they're, they're just so obviously on top of the game of what they're doing in that realm of kind of really hazy psych rap. Um, there are, there are a lot of acts out there that are trying to do something like this, but the just relative ease with which they appear to pull it off is just, it's in, it's incredible. And, every Armand Hammer record you can listen to a hundred times and you pick up on something new. Some new... Some new sound drifting in the back. Some new, uh... Strange, fragmented, poetic line that you didn't catch the first time that'll kind of have you scratching your head and thinking. Um, It's an extremely unique way of, of approaching this kind of music that is just way, 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 like... Ahead of the game and ahead of the curve of what everyone else is doing. Um, yeah, I mean, like this is kind of the project by which the backbone of, uh, you know, the Backwood Studios, Billy's label, is kind of built off of, and you know, Armand Hammer Records kind of feel like. How do I want to say this? Almost like. Um, they're almost like Backwood Studio... like They're like label releases in a way, you know? Like, they try to get as many different people involved uh, in, in as many different ways as they can, whether they're kind of currently on the Backwood Studios or just Backwoods adjacent. Um, the records really feel like collaborative efforts, uh, not just between, you know, Billy and Nelucid, but, you know, between everyone... Kind of within their sphere and and kind of tangentially close to their sphere um every single one of the armand hammer records is just top-notch avant-garde rap that you know can't really be touched by anyone else and they've they've never missed and every time one of their records comes out it really feels like an event and this wasn't also the case for this record um it it has that kind of powerful mystery to it, where maybe you don't understand exactly what it is that they're talking about half the time, most of the time to be honest. Um, and it's not one of those records where you could sit down, like you know, and annotate it, like you're in grade six or some shit, and really pick it apart and figure out what they're referring to. Like it's abstract in the way that. A lot of what they're saying maybe only really makes sense to them, and but that's all that's really important because you know these are records that are are firmly in this kind of surreal New York Brooklyn landscape. And people that aren't from that area and aren't kind of privy to what life is like in New York, it's impossible really to connect with it on that level, but we can stand back and appreciate it for what it is because it's just so massively put together um i don't know who did most of these beats but the way that the the music lives and the voices kind of um all combined together it's just so interesting and so unlike anything else that's out there not just in hip-hop but in any kind of music Like, it really feels like you're in this new environment and in completely controlled atmosphere where um, anything could happen, but you also kind of know exactly what's going to happen. Doesn't really make any sense, I know, but listen to the record and find out. Uh, This will not be the first time Billy Woods appears on this list. We will get to him again shortly, but I, I really cannot say enough about what a talent this man is, and um, we're we're blessed to be living in the era of Billy Woods right now. Is really all I can say. So, coming in at number nine, we have Armand Hammer. We buy diabetic test strips. Number eight, we have, uh, we have a record that we actually haven't talked about yet because this record did not come out that long ago, actually. This came out just right at the end of November, and the fact that, you know, in the matter of just a few weeks that it came out, I felt strongly about it enough that I knew that it was a top ten record of the year, uh, should hopefully speak to what a fantastic record this is. Um... So, number eight is The Rhyme of Memory by Panopticon. And I talked about consistency when I talked about Billy Woods just now. Uh, another word that needs to be applied uh, to this artist because every Panopticon album that comes out is an event and everyone is just absolutely fantastic. So for those of you that don't know, um, Panopticon is a it's a one-man black metal band uh, based I think somewhere in Kentucky and he makes what I would almost call like like Americana black metal um, it's oh my god remember how I said I would do that thing where I would talk about my favorites <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I I completely forgot. I didn't even do it on the first one. Okay. Sorry. We're going to quickly go back. Uh, Yule, favorite song. Daisies. Great riff. Um, Armand Hammer, favorite song. Impossible to say, because the whole thing kind of flows like one strange, shifting, mysterious beast. Uh, And I'll get to the Panopticon one when I'm done talking about it. Sorry, I'll be better. Um, So anyway... Almost like this Americana black metal, and that sounds corny, so let me reiterate that it is not corny. Like, this guy manages to incorporate, um, almost like folk and, like, really woodsy folk and almost like bluegrass into his black metal sound, but not in a way that is, like, annoying. Like, I don't like any of those genres, honestly, I don't, but, uh the way that he's able to incorporate strings and kind of like acoustic guitar and, hell, even like bagpipes and shit like this, he does it in a way that that feels really lived in. And, like, you feel like you're in a cabin in the woods when you're listening to it. Like, it's meant to be a a place-setting type of exercise, and no one really does it like him. Like, you're listening to the records, and it just it sounds like the wintertime when you're listening to it. It sounds like you're in this cabin in the woods in the middle of winter, and some of the songs, there's a crazy blizzard going on outside, and, you know, some of the songs, or parts of the songs, you know, the snow is kind of gently falling, and, you know, you're sitting by the fireplace, but, like, you really, really feel like you're in it. And he does record a lot of his music kind of by himself, like... ...out in the woods, in cabins and stuff like this... ...on his Bon Iver shit... Um, ...but he's just... ...he's masterful... ...at creating these extremely epic... ...grandoise... ...atmospheres... um, ...through his music... ...and just the fact that he's able to do all this by himself... ...is is amazing... ...I mean, I'm honestly not 100% sure... ...what the breakdown of... ...maybe these kind of extra... ...instrument elements that he brings in... ...that he actually plays himself... But I do know that, you know, he does the vocals and the guitars and the drums. And for all that, it's just, he's an incredible musician and an incredible songwriter. So this record is about uh, time, basically, the passing of time and, you know, slowly approaching death. And, I mean, if you have a second, please go to the Panopticon Bandcamp and just read his kind of, you know, like, romance copy, you know, press release for this record cuz it is really really moving stuff. Um he's always been really concerned with you know, environmental issues and and, and things of this nature. In <laughs> nature, it's yeah, nature itself really and the the passion that he has for it and it's like this music is him defending nature and like a rousing, rallying cry to protect our environment before it just completely slips away on it, and he's managed to, over the course of I mean, I think there's only six songs on here one of them is the intro, which is like a minute, a minute and a half long or something like that just these extremely, extremely epic songs that go through different movements, and the whole thing is just so, so powerful um i i like metal you know but uh i i mentioned before when i was talking about the horrendous record that like that would be maybe the best like you know straight up just like straightforward metal record of the year um but i i prefer the kind of more extreme subgenres of metal like um death metal, doom metal, and black metal are kind of like the whole uh, the unholy trinity if you will and for me this is just easily not even any competition the best black metal record of the year Um, in terms of just the scope of its ambition um, the songwriting itself the production everything is just amazing like you put this thing on and it is a wild ride through a ferocious wilderness um favorite song on this one hard to say although I would have to say probably um I think it's the second last song enduring the snow drought uh the last half especially you really feel like you're just caught in a blizzard and how do you like how do you how do you create that feeling through sound I don't know but he manages to do it through guitars and drums and vocals and all this, like you really feel like you're caught in the woods in this crazy snowstorm. Um, And it is just, it's breathtaking, Um, which is a word that I would happily use for the entire record. So, coming in at number eight, we have Panopticon with The Rhyme of Memory. Number seven, we have Caroline Polachek with Desire I Want to Turn Into You. Now, I kind of talked um, in the lead up to this list about how, you know, in recent years, the, there's a, less of a lack of critical cons- consensus on what the best record of any given year is. That being said, if you were to take a look at all the kind of publications that are out there, and you averaged out all the records that appeared on there, um, this is probably the consensus best record of the year for for just in terms of averaging everything out. Like this record appeared on just about every year-end list, um, and high, very high on just about every year-end list, and you know, I, I'm I'm not the kind of guy to buy into, you know, whatever, whoever's opinions on music. I like to kind of find my own way. But, you know, I'm I'm happy to say that I, I agree with this assessment. I, I think that this is an amazing record. Uh, probably pretty easily the best pop record of the year. And it's it's just great and, and I think that it's really enjoyable for just about everyone um you know she's she's a weird chick but she can write a hell of a song and she's not afraid to get really weird when she's doing it um you know the Kate Bush comparisons are very justified um I mean geez, even the Enya comparisons at times are fairly justified but she's also doing something very unique to uh To music that's just very caroline polachek you know she's done a great job of kind of carving out this own weird lane of pop music that um isn't afraid to have a freaking dido feature alongside grimes or you know have a bagpipe breakdown at the end of a song or you know make a full-on you know mediterranean balearic acoustic track like And it all works within the context of the music that she's doing. And while she's doing it and bringing in all these crazy, strange influences, uh, the songs are just really good, too. Like, it's one thing to, you know, dip your fingers into as many pies as possible um, to mix results and, and just kind of experiment for the sake of experimentation. But when you're doing so in service of making good music, um, and making the best music you possibly can—that's uh, a success, and that's absolutely what this record is. It's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's, it's a strange record at a lot of times. Um, a lot of it you can barely even call pop music, to be honest with you. Like "Crude Drawing of an Angel" or whatever that song is, and like "Volcano" and all these other tracks are are, are pretty strange songs, but. Uh, she she manages to pull it off. She manages to make it work within the context of not only the album but um, you know all the music that she's released, and it all just sounds so good to listen to along the way. So you know I, I don't mean to be Mr. Poptimist or whatever, but I I think this yeah is absolutely one of the best records of the year, um, regardless of what kind of music you usually listen to. You're gonna find something here that's gonna work for you, and um, she just nails it every time. And I'm actually excited to talk about what my favorite song of this record is, because I actually think this is my favorite song the whole year, Um, and that would be Blood and Butter. Um, I used to think that uh, Billions, is it Millions or Billions? One of the two. Uh, that was my favorite song, but my dear friend Veronica managed to convince me that uh, Blood and Butter was better, and shout out to her for doing so because she was absolutely right. It is a masterpiece of a song. It, it, it's one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life. It's the one with the aforementioned bagpipe breakdown. I mean, if you can really just nail a bagpipe breakdown, like, come on. You know you've got something good on your hands. So, coming in at number seven we have Caroline Polachek Desire I Want to Turn Into you Number 6 we have Bell Witch with Future Shadow Part 1 The Clandestine Gate Yeah, now if that ain't a metal album title, then I don't know what is. Um, I mentioned the Unholy Trinity earlier. Uh, This would be the Doom metal album that slots into those three. Uh, What an achievement this record is. So, it's hard to follow up, um, you know, what is an instant classic in Mirror Reaper. But they've managed to do it with this record. Um, I think when I talked about this record initially, I mentioned that I thought this record could potentially even be better than Mirror Reaper, which is is a hard thing to to kind of really establish because they're very different. Well, I mean, very different uh, in 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 you know subtle ways. They're both extremely um slow plodding records um with glacial paced riffs and you know all those kind of doom metal signifiers but this is a much more cerebral record than mirror reaper mirror reaper was just pure emotion it was these two guys experiencing intense pain and loss and just needing an outlet to kind of um work through all of those difficult emotions and While it is intensely, intensely emotional... Um... You know, they... They... They lean a lot into repetition... And again, it's in service of... You know, really displaying this anguish... And kind of the... How... When you feel despair and loss... You know, you you kind of feel like you're stuck in this rut... Um... This almost like quagmire of negative emotion... Um... It it is pretty repetitive, and there are sections which go on for probably too long, um, longer than they need to, but I totally get it. You know, it came from a place of just needing to express themselves uh, in the way that they know best. This record, I guess now that they've got that whole thing out of their system, is is a little bit more heady, and there's a little bit more going on in this record. Um, just in terms of kind of the production and additional um, songwriting elements that they're using um it is part one of three so again the eventual uh future shadow full whatever you want to call it song question mark will be three albums long and a four hour it'll be a four hour long song (laughs) so i'm really excited for that to come out and um Play that for my family at all the family gatherings um, so again we're only kind of experiencing the first bit of it but that being said uh, it doesn't at any point feel like uh, incomplete you know for what is ostensibly part one um, and just a piece of a larger whole uh, it, it, it's a satisfying listen you know you're not left kind of really wanting more at the end you're not left Um, confused about what's going to happen next or anything like this um you know it, it kind of contained within itself is a phenomenal astounding record but i'm really really excited to see how this kind of fits into the rest of whatever the future shadow is going to be um like do you think they've even written it like do you think they have this four hour long song like written and they're just like okay we'll, we'll steadily release it or are they just like okay yeah we'll, we'll figure out what the other two parts are like when we get to it let's just get this one out of the way for now I don't know it's a good question um saw Bell Witch live saw them performing this song a few months ago in a church I, I saw Bell Witch when Mirror Reaper came out and uh, I cried think i like cried four times during that set again it's an emotional emotional song um did not cry this time when i saw them but i can tell you i sat there the entire time with my jaw just like agape as hell like these guys are absolute masters and the way that they can make music that is i mean it's really just two guys playing extremely, extremely slowly. Yeah, they do it in a really, really compelling way that, uh... You kind of can't look away, and it's never boring. It's always interesting, and... Yeah, they're just... they're just masters. Like, there's Doom Metal, and then there's Bellwitch, as far as I'm concerned. So... Can't wait for parts two and three. Um... You know, th- these guys really are at the top of the t- Doom Metal game, in my opinion, in many people's opinion. Um, yeah, they're goats. What else can I say? Coming in at number six, we have Bell Witch Future Shadow Part One The Clandestine Gate. And now, at number five, we will complete the unholy trinity of Phil's favorite metal genres with death metal. And I'm talking about To Mold the Enduring Spirit. Uh, This was a record that when it came out, I, I just really could not stop gushing about it. I could not shut up about it. I... I, would, I had a house party, and I, I played it, like, <laughs> you know, like, hey, everyone's partying, and then I put on this, like, you know, Prague death metal album, and you know what? People were into it, and that is why this is a special record. Um, when I talked about this record when it came out, again, this is another one of those uh, September albums, along with Yule and Armand Hammer, again, really, really incredible month. Um, September or October? No, it was September. Yeah, it was September. Um, What was I going to say? Right. When this came out, I I talked about, like, what does it mean to be a crossover record um, when you're making death metal? You know? Uh, Like black metal you know you can kind of see how deaf heaven was able to make a crossover record because they incorporated a lot of shoegaze which you know is is a record that's pretty sorry a a genre that's really popular amongst you know indie people or whatever the hell um doom metal like i'm trying to think maybe like pallbearer was probably one of the last uh crossover doom metal acts and they were able to kind of achieve that crossover status because, well, I mean, um, when Foundations of Burden came out, kind of the record that was really big for them at the time, there it was just riff after riff of the best riffs ever. like, And they had, you know, the, the clean vocals, great songwriting. Um, you know, it was essentially just like really, 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 really heavy, slow indie music in a lot of ways. So how does, how can something like this... ...a genre that literally has death in the name... Um, ...become kind of a hit in, in circles that maybe don't typically listen to this kind of music. And it's not because of any kind of compromise on behalf of the band... ...because this record is still as heavy as hell... Um, ...stuffed to the rim with just... ...riff after riff of just... ...you know... ...metal goodness... It's crossed door because it's so fucking good. I mean, the songwriting is incredible. Um, the riffs are extremely memorable. Uh, you know, like, you listen, like, I listen to this record now, and, like, I can air guitar along with a lot of it. And, yeah, I've listened to it a lot, sure, but it, it's a, it's a testament to how well-written the riffs are and how kind of clean and easy to listen to the album is in terms of the production style is you know like a lot of songs i find especially within death metal they can all kind of blend together and kind of sound a little bit the same but on this record you really everything's memorable you know this part you're like oh this part's coming up this is happening and again it's still There are no like clean vocals or anything on this, it's all you know death metal grunting and scream and roaring and things like this and you know blast beats and just heavy as fuck riffage going on. But they also allow themselves a lot of room to breathe and embrace kind of cleaner sections that are really jazz inspired and prog inspired. You know the last song on here is uh you know 10 plus minutes long and you know has extended sections of just light airy goodness that just like feels bright and almost positive in ways and that's kind of the the interesting part about this record is that you know as heavy as it is and um you know as as it is a death metal record through and through like there's no mistake about what genre this is It doesn't feel negative it doesn't feel like it carries with it that violence you can say that a lot of death metal does you know this is a record that touches on a lot of kind of philosophy and you know optimism and things like this things that aren't really necessarily associated with the genre and that's what makes it such a great listen um they go places that death metal typically wouldn't go to but they don't really sacrifice any of the death metal ish nature of it all in order to get there they use death metal as this platform by which to explore these questions about you know the nature of humanity and the nature of the universe and existence and all this kind of stuff and it's a great approach that you know I'd like to see a lot more bands doing, because, you know, I love death metal, I really do, but it's it's so easy to just churn out record after record of the same, um, you know, uh, you know, I am going to kill a dude, you know, that kind of shit. Like, hey, it's cool, don't get me wrong. You know, I love that I'm going to kill a dude shit, but... This record is a success, and a massive success, because it, it tries to do something different. And, uh, they they pull it off, they try and they massively succeed. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not usually like a, you know, local pride kind of guy, I don't really buy into all that crap, but, you know, I, I'm here in Toronto, I live in Toronto, 2Mold is from Toronto. And I think it's pretty cool to say that arguably the best death metal band on the planet is from my home right here in the city. So shout out, guys. uh, You rock. Keep it up. Coming in at number five, we have To Mold the Enduring Spirit. Oh, um, my favorite song in this one would very easily be um, the last song. uh, The kind of, you know eponymous track uh the enduring spirit of calamity you like how they kind of like pull you over there pull one over on you like um the album's called the enduring spirit but then like the actual song is the enduring spirit of calamity like <laughs> oh gotcha uh yeah that's the really long one and it's fucking sick and by the way i didn't pick a favorite song for Bell Witch because technically uh it's one song and also technically it's not even the full song so i can't even pick anything there so anyway that's that. Number four, we have... Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel with maps. And here he is again. Um, surprise, surprise. So, Billy Woods... Is kind of known for the fact that he never really shows his face, uh, especially when it comes to the kind of Armand Hammer project. Uh, his face is usually covered up, whether it's with you know a piece of clothing or he's got his hand over his face or something like this. Um, it makes sense in the context of Armand Hammer. There, you know they kind of, it's a mysterious project, you know? The subject matter is mysterious, the music is mysterious, so kind of not showing your face uh, makes a lot of sense for that. And, but even in his kind of solo stuff, he's, you know, typically hit his face. And, you know, he references that sometimes um, in his music, but MAPS is maybe the first record of his, at least that I've been paying attention to him, in the past few years where it's almost like he's starting to show his face a little bit. Um, He's never afraid to be personal per se, but this feels like the first record where he's really kind of opening up to us. And it's a really, really cool record because it's essentially a concept album about touring and life on the road. But he uses Kind of touring and life on the road and he uses this kind of um you know this this foundation as a, a base to talk about life and talk about society and, and and talk about himself and the things that he's dealing with and you know the effects that touring have on his life like he talks a lot about his relationship struggles and how touring can tend to exasperate them and I mean, while, you know, the average person isn't isn't necessarily going to relate to, you know, having relationship problems because you're on the road touring so much, the way that he talks about it, it's it just, it feels very relatable. It's like, all of us have been there in these, you know, difficult situations with the person that we're involved with, and, you know, uh, and... The kind of situations and scenarios that we find ourselves in you know just make those problems even harder and, and when you're disconnected with someone you know kind of on an actual physical level it's it's a lot harder to re-establish those connections and he talks a lot about like you know the, the different foods that he's eating and the different drinks that he's drinking while he's gone and it, it's like a a weird catalog of his of his life but told in the way that billy woods can only really do it which is just <laughs> extremely fascinating and 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 extremely compelling like billy's the best rapper on the planet right now but he isn't necessarily the one with you know the best flow you know he isn't necessarily the one with the best rhymes he isn't necessarily the one with you know the most personality he manages to be the best because when he's rapping, when he's talking to you about these things that are going on, these things that he experiences and things that he's witnessing, he does it on a way that feels really human. And even if it is really abstract and really out there, um, you know, the metaphors or whatever it is that he's using, like, you, you listen to him and you feel like Like, I know this guy. Like, I've met him. I've been this guy. I know this experience that he's going through. He's really just like you and me. You know, he's singing songs about, like... You know, I, I... I was... You know, there were parties going on outside, but I just, like, stayed in my room and smoked weed or whatever. Like, it's just so relatable. And he manages to... You know... Simultaneously be kind of this strange mysterious almost mythological figure While also being someone that's so real and someone that you just like Understand on this really humanistic level There's really no one else like it like You just you you feel connected to the things that he's saying um, despite the kind of disconnected way that he's saying them sometimes. Um... I like this record because a lot of Billy Wood's projects, um, whether they're solo or with Armand Hammer, um, kind of come with this level of... I don't want to say, like, prestige, but... you know, like, you know you're getting this kind of psychedelic, kind of abstract hip-hop, um you know, it's going to be some, like, kind of heady shit that's going to make you think, blah, blah, blah. On this album, it seems like he's, again, like I mentioned, he's kind of uncovering his face a little bit and letting us in a little bit, and it turns out that he's, a he's actually a pretty funny guy. <laughs> there, there are a lot of, like, actual laugh out loud lines across this record, um, and that said, there are a lot of lines on this record that really cut deep, um, in, in like, just makes you reflect on moments that you felt the way that, that he has. Like, for example, on um, lead single FaceTime, uh, which has a just amazing kind of hook from Sam Herring from Future Islands, Billy's last lines on the record are along the lines of, um, like, I think about you when I should be thinking about other things. I don't sleep. I tread water till I sink. Its something like that. And like I think we've all been in that situation or you know somewhere in our lives where we've been away from the person that we love and you know we're, we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves. We're supposed to be doing whatever, but we just can't stop thinking about them. And the long, kind of hard, cold, sleepless nights that we experience when we're away from that person that we're so used to, ...having next to us to give us comfort. Um... ...even if we're in a situation where... ...this is supposed to be the time of our life. Like, without you... ...with me, it just isn't the same. Just... ...kind of... ...tiny little vignettes like this that... ...that... ...are so relatable and just, again, cut so deep. And and really make you reflect on instances like this that you've had in your life. Um... And, again, like, the record itself ends with, uh, you know, kind of an anecdote about Billy being at the park with uh, his kid and seeing his kid and realizing, like, I'm not going to be around forever. You know, like, I, you know, he has to cherish the time he has with his kid because it's finite. And to kind of end the record on that note, it's just, again, you really get a look inside of who Billy is and and the mechanisms working behind the scenes you know behind this mask that he wears all the time and you know on this record you you really get to know this person and you realize like he's not this mystery he's not this you know cool strange smoky figure in the darkness Billy's just another guy like you and I I mean, he happens to be extraordinarily talented, but he's just another person. And you know it makes you reflect on every artist, really. Like they're all just people. They're all they're these touring artists that you see, they get up on stage, and yeah, they they become larger than life. But when they're done, they walk off, they go back to their hotel room, they sit in their rooms, they scroll on their phones, they do the same shit that we do. They experience the same hardships we do the same delights that we do billy spent so much time on this record talking about again food and, and, and cool food and drinks that he's had and it's like i can relate to that i like eating cool food too you know it's, it's it's just really makes you realize that these people that we hold in such high regard and i hold this guy in really high regard is, is just another person that's going through the same shit that we are. Maybe on different you know, scenarios like I'm not going on world tours, you know <laughs> I'm not experiencing that but I have experienced what he's experiencing in terms of the emotions, the highs and the lows and the context may be different but, you know at the core of it all we are the same that's my biggest takeaway from this record. Um, favorite song? It's it's probably the song with Sam Herring. Uh, it's just really poetic. The lines and, and the hook is nice. But I want to give a shout-out to uh, the song Year Zero, which to me was kind of like really Danny Brown's reintroduction to the world. Um, and kind of like the harbinger for... The big comeback that he had this year. Uh, It was his best guest verse in years. And then, you know, shortly after the collab record with JPEG Mafia came out a few months ago, his latest solo record came out. And it really feels like Danny's back. And it feels like the first kind of instance we saw of this was the guest verse on this record. So... You know, Danny's one of my all-time favorites as well. So just happy to have him back and so glad that Billy gave him the opportunity to kind of reintroduce himself on this record. So, number four, we have Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel, who does an amazing job in production, by the way, with MAPS. Number three, we have... No Highs by Tim Hecker. I feel like every year I need one of these records. And by one of these records, I mean... An ambient record that... Is... Kind of interesting enough that it... You can listen to it actively, but also... You know, has enough ambient features that you can also just have it passively going on in the background. Um, Querco S. has been kind of that go-to guy for me many years. Um, Gas is another great example. Actress. um, You know, recent burial records, definitely. Uh, But this year, for sure, it was this Tim Hecker record. And I think this is an interesting one because... Like, I haven't really heard too much hype around this record. I mean, it came out fairly early in the year, and I thought it was absolutely sensational the first time I heard it. Didn't really hear too much about it from anyone else, and it seems to just kind of, like, fallen off the radar of music that was released this year, which is baffling to me because, you know, I know Tim Hecker kind of had his heyday... Um, with Rave Death and uh, the Virgin's record Um, he's been pretty relevant for a while now and to me anyway, this is my favorite of all of his records, but no one really seemed to care about this one which is strange and interesting but hey, you know, that's everyone else's loss as far as I'm concerned Um, but yeah, so life is crazy you know And sometimes I get to places where my brain is just going nuts and it almost feels like a physical pressure inside of my head where I'm just stressed out and anxious and everything is just kind of too much. And I also suffer from tinnitus, which doesn't help either. Um, And the only thing that really helps calm me down and makes me feel okay is music like this. Now, that being said, this isn't a record... This isn't an easy listening record, per se. Uh, this is a... This is almost, like, anti-ambient, because, like, it's actually kind of stressful, this record. He, he dabbles in a lot of textures and tones that are fairly dissonant and meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, but it's, it's in that that I find the comfort if that makes any sense uh, like I said you know this is a record that I can easily just put on in the background um and kind of let you know drift me away or whatever it may be uh or I can actively listen to it and allow myself to kind of submerge myself into these strange feelings that he's eliciting through these different tones and uh Textures and whatever it may be. Um, My favorite song on this one is, without a doubt, the last song. Uh, The song is called Living Spa Water. Which, and I was just obsessed with the idea of this living spa water for the longest time because, like, it doesn't really make any sense, but it also kind of does make sense. And when you actually listen to the song, it makes it make even more sense. Like, in a weird way, like, the song sounds like what living spa water would sound like. Again, that doesn't make any sense at all. I'm well aware of this, but that's what I think. And I show this to my friend and, uh, well, Veronica, she was on this podcast, and she totally agrees with me. She's like, yeah, yeah, like, I know what you mean. Like, it sounds like that. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? How how can anything sound like living small? How how can anything be living small? Water for one. Secondly, how can anything sound like that? Okay, it doesn't make any sense. But what I hear when I'm listening to this is that. And to me, that's just a, a testament to, like, the power of the music that Tim is making here. I mean, it's not just this song where he elicits this kind of. Strange imagery via the song title. There's a song on here called Winter Cop. And you're like, what the fuck is a winter cop? But then you listen to it and you're kind of like, yeah, I I, I kind of hear it. You know, <laughs> like, I guess that would be what a winter cop would sound like. Weird stuff. I mean, there's songs on here, like, I think there's one literally called Anxiety, which <laughs> sounds like anxiety, but that's that's kind of a gimme. But the point being, um, he has such a mastery sound at this point that he can come up with a crazy out there idea such as living spa water and he can actually create music that sounds like that so like how incredible is that um ambient is a a genre that will always be very important to me it's some of that functional music that i talk about all the time um You know, it acts almost like a salve or like a medicine to help calm you down or get you to a, you know, a better place. And this record was the one for me this year. So probably my top functional music record of the year for sure. Um, Yeah, so that will be number three for 2023. No highs by Tim Hecker. Number two is Census Designated by Jane Remover. This would be the other example of uh, electronic artists embracing rock music just ideals um, in a very effective way that I was kind of referring to earlier with the Yule record Um, Jane used to be known as Diltsick. I don't know Um, and she had this album out called Frailty back in either 2020 or 2021 and it was a massive underground hit basically defined this genre called Digicore that was really really kind of popular on, on the internet of course amongst young people and in a classic move uh, you know she changed her name um, she came out as trans and announced this record which in a lot of ways doesn't really sound anything at all like diltzik or whatever the fuck however you pronounce it it's a really reinvention of um, Jane's sound and it does so by really introducing this idea of, you know, guitars and, you know, the rock music ideas and foundations and, and, and bringing it into electronic music. But whereas the Yule record sounds like an electronic record that um, uses, you know, maybe rock instruments and things like this. Uh, This is... Like, this feels... This feels almost like the kind of music that I've been trying to make personally my entire life. A lot less heavy than the music I've been trying to make, but... The same kind of ideology behind it, where... Like there's no difference anymore between electronic music and rock music, and that's what you hear here. Like this record plays from start to finish, almost like a like a, like a like a mix, like an electronic mix. Um, everything kind of flows together. You know, there are, there are crests and valleys on the record of, of intensity and quietness and. You know, from one song to the next, different moods are kind of carried forth and, and, and brought back. So it, it, it really feels like a, like a whole complete kind of living organism or almost like a weather structure, if you will. Um, but it does it through the means of, you know, guitars. And drums. Although when you listen to the record, it's interesting. There's a lot less drums on the record than you think. Uh, she's really, really good at working with dynamics and, and tones um, of you know the instrument and production that she's using to you know create these bursts of sound that in our mind we associate hearing drums with. So we assume that there are drums there, but there's actually not. Um, a lot of this record is drumless, but is also you know, has the intensity of songs that we recognize having drums. And it's cool. It's like she's playing the sonic trick on us um, and kind of messing with her own preconceptions about what rock music is supposed to be. And I think that's awesome. Honestly, I think what she's done here is Really cool. Really really unique. It sounds familiar in so many ways Like a lot of this sounds like, you know, kind of grunge music from the 90s or you know um, You know pop rock pop punky emo-ish rock from the you know mid-2000s or whatever, but done in a completely different new way, with a completely different new approach where, you know, the actual production itself is just as much of an instrument as the instruments are. And it's hard to kind of see where one ends and the other begins. It's a, a record that is really emotional but also doesn't feel very like it's not contained just to her everything about it is kind of broad strokes and you can really find yourself um relating to the music that you're hearing uh regardless of the subject matter you know she talks a lot about you know the the difficulties of new love and and, and things like this um you know, and a lot of it is, you know, out of the context of, you know, her being this this trans artist and how finding love within, you know, communities that might not be so accepting on this type of person. But it's all in this in this really kind of like I mentioned, broad strokes way that it doesn't matter who you are, what what gender you are, what gender you aren't. You know, you can really connect to a lot of the very universal themes that she sings about. But for me, it's not even really about the lyrics. It's just about kind of the way that the music absorbs you and and kind of takes you on this journey from start to finish. Um, This kind of special little universe that Jane has created for herself on this record. And... Because of that I I just can't get enough of it Like I've probably listened to this whole record front to back um, Almost more than any other record on this list Um, And I can really tell that it's something I'm going to be listening to for the rest of my life Because The songs aren't necessarily complicated or complex But Just the way that they're presented is is really unique And um, really easy to connect with and, and it's just special so favorite record uh favorite song on this one that's a hard one i really like the light the first song it's probably the one i've listened to the most but it really does feel almost more like an intro track than an actual fully fleshed out song so i'm gonna go with video um it's the longest song in this record it's about nine minutes long um starts off with just scathing noise and then drifts into kind of the prettiest um, you know musical section of the whole album before kind of you know building up to this amazing crescendo uh, and as a penultimate track it really encompasses everything special that Jane is doing on this record so coming in at number 2 for 2023 we have census Designated by Jane Remover. All right. We are finally at the moment that this entire year, the entire run of PH5 episodes has been leading up to, and that is the number one record of 2023. A lot of years, I Kind of struggle to come up with like what's my absolute favorite record this year um for example the past two seasons of ph5 i i kind of struggled to pick my number ones um like the holy fawn record which i picked as number one last year you know i really that record meant a lot to me meant a lot to me at the time and while i don't necessarily regret that pick It's not necessarily the album that I've gone back to the most from last year. That'd be the Elder record, by the way, which is so fucking sick. Um, The year before that, I think I had... uh... What did I have the year before that? I think it was... um... Was it the King Woman record, maybe? Um... And again, I love the record, but... Like, the thought of that being a number one record for me in hindsight is kind of like, hmm, okay, interesting. There was never any doubt in my mind that the record I'm about to talk to is number one for the year for me. When it came out, I knew it. Even before it came out, I kind of knew it. And this was back in early summer, and I still know it. I'm still just as confident about it now as I have been since the beginning. Um, And that's a rare record to find. One that you just know for sure. This is my favorite record of the year, without a doubt. And that record is Life Under the Gun by Military Gun. This was a band that I knew of, but wasn't paying too much attention to, even just a year ago. But when they dropped, you know, lead single for this album, Very High, in... Um, late winter of this year so very early in the year even though the song is less than two minutes long I listened to it over and over and over again I was obsessed and I knew right away just based off this one song this one tiny minute and 50 minute 50 seconds long song that this was going to be one of my new favorite bands and I was so so excited for this record to come out and it came out and it was just as good as I thought it would be if not even better. How rare is it that that happens honestly? Like it's so easy as a music fan or a fan of any kind of media to hype yourself up about something and get you know overly excited about it just to be disappointed in when you finally get to experience it. Not just because it isn't as good as you thought it would be, but just because the amount of, you know, anticipation that you've had for it, it can never be fully matched by the actual product itself. And you always end up kind of letting yourself down. This is one of the very, very rare occasions of, again, almost any type of media that I had high as hell hopes for the record extremely excited for it to come out, and it came out and it lived up to all those hopes and surpassed it even more. This is not a complicated, complex record. This is not a, you know, epic, unruly masterpiece of complex emotions and interesting music parts or things like this. No, this is a very almost simple record. Um, Most of the songs are about two minutes long. A lot of them are under two minutes long. Um, Very rare that a song even hits the three-minute mark. There aren't that many songs. I think there's only like 11 or 12. The album itself is less than half an hour long. But the just amount of sensational songwriting that this band manages to pack in that short amount of time is... Just incredible. And this year, again, I talked a lot about having a kind of hardcore resurgence, um, getting really back into it. And I've talked a lot about this new kind of wave of interesting bands that are taking the foundations of hardcore, but bringing in almost power pop and alt rock influences. And we've seen that with Turnstile. Um, obviously the most successful of the bunch, uh, you see that with Fiddlehead in a lot of ways, but to me, my favorite band that's doing that right now is these guys, and they do it the best. Uh, you know, Ian Shelton, the front man for Military Gun, the guy who started it all, you know, he was in his, uh, hardcore power violence band, Regional Justice Center, um, that got shut down because of the pandemic, and he started writing these military gun songs, as just kind of boredom during the pandemic. But rather than just making, you know, more kind of straight-up hardcore like he was doing in his old band, you know, he wanted to make songs that were catchy and songs that, you know, brought in a lot of alt-rock and Britpop influences and whatever it may be. And the result... This record, I mean, you could call it their debut. They had a record out last year um, that's more of a collection of demos rather than anything. So I think you're safe to say this is their official debut, but to have a band just sound so completely fully formed and fully realized with their debut, a band that knows exactly what they want to do and are able to do exactly what they want to do um, and pull it off perfectly is uh, a very, very rare thing in this day and age, and it's really all about the songs. You know, I've talked a lot about records here that you know are concept albums. You know, the Bell Witch one is, you know, one long song. The Jane Remover record is, you know, it ebbs and flows almost like a DJ mix. This is not that at all. This is this is a collection of songs. That's what it is. But these songs. Almost all of them are like 10 out of 10 songs to me. It has everything I want in a song. It has aggression. It has melody. It has, you know, interesting production and songwriting choices at times. They're succinct, you know? Like, these are songs that get right to the point. Uh, It just... it, It connects with me so well in ways that is really, really difficult to do. But almost every single box for me is checked when I listen to this record. It, It has the melody and the catchiness for me to think that it's memorable and want to sing along to it. It has that occasional cathartic abrasion that I need because I'm a heavy music freak. It has a, yeah, it has kind of those light tender moments of reflection it it does all of this and it does it in such a quick short amount of time that when the record's over you just fucking put it on and listen to it all over again and that's what i did all year this year um it's funny i look at my top 10 most listened to songs of the year fairly all over the place but i think there are like four or five songs from this album on that list and again, that's kind of a testament to the fact that the songs themselves are pretty short sure and easy to listen to and over and over again. But just more so, like, this is how fucking good these songs are. Like you just want to listen to them over and over and over again. And to kind of t- cap it all off, I saw them live in October, and what a fucking set. Again, no frills, just like the band. They just got up there and played the fuck out of these songs, and it was awesome. And, you know, I was right up there at the front, giving it my all, and this is a band that I know is special, because there are a lot of other people up there doing the exact same thing that I did. This is clearly a band that has managed to connect to a lot of people on a lot of different levels, and I am so, so excited to see where this band is gonna go. I really think that they have potential to big to be the biggest band in the world like that's how good of songs they make are that's how kind of fresh the sound is Um, it just works on every single imaginable level favorite song would have to be big disappointment i mean i love all these songs so much and my favorite has changed many times throughout the year but at this point big disappointment is the one that just hits the hardest for me and they closed with it when I saw them live which kind of like confirmed it for me like oh yeah this is the one so yeah military gun life under the gun record of the year for me easily no contest like the Jane Remover record I really 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 liked and maybe any other year probably would have been the one but no Uh, This is it for me. No contest. And I can tell you right now, two, three, four, ten years from now, I'll look back and I'll say, yeah, that military gun record, that was the one for me in 2023. No doubts about that. So, that brings us to the end of the top ten and the end of PH5 for 2023. As promised, I'll do a quick rundown now of the full list for you, in case you forgot, and then I'm going to stop because my voice is absolutely killing me. So, 25, we had Jesus Peace, So Unknown. 24, we had a 100 Gex with 10,000 Gex. 23, we had George Clanton, Urapaya. 22, Animal Collective, Isn't It Now?, 21, MS Paint, Post-American, who I saw with Military Gun, they're good friends, awesome set. 20, JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown, Scaring the Hoes. 19, Horrendous Ontological Mysterium. 18, Young Fathers, Heavy Heavy. 17, Boldy James, Indiana Jones. 16, James Holden, (sighs) imagine this is a high dimensional space of all possibilities. 15, Jerome's Dream, The Grey In Between. 14. Naomi Sharon Obsidian 13. Dreamwell In My Saddest Dreams I Am Beside You 12. Dot Guard Black Medium Current 11. Fiddlehead Death Is Nothing To Us 10. Yule scars 9. Armand Hammer We Buy Diabetic Test Strips 8. Panopticon The Rhyme of Memory 7. Caroline Polachek Desire I Want To Turn Into You 6 which Future Shadow Part 1, The clandestine Gate. 5, Tomb Mould, The Enduring Spirit. 4, Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel, Maps. 3, Tim Hecker, No Highs. 2, Jane Remover, Census Designated. And number 1, Military Gun, Life Under the Gun. That's it for me. Uh, this was fun. This is what it's all about, you know. Um, I'm kidding. It's not what it's all about. Music is meant to be enjoyed without competition. It's not a competition, it's just... It's an art form that you're meant to take it as it is, and sometimes it's fun to do context with other records, but seriously, enjoy music for what it is. Don't take it for granted. We're living in an age where we have access to so much music, and a lot of it is actually good thank you for listening to yet another season of ph5 and we'll be back in the new year enjoy the holidays thanks for listening i'm out of here bye